Utila is a very simple place to get to. You can get to it from you know other islands with within the area like Roatan. You can fly there from San Pedro Sula. But as we were in La Saiba, we knew that the ferry journey from La Saiba over to Utila was quite straightforward. It was first thing in the morning, very easy to do. Now we booked in for five or six nights. The thing about Utila, and this is where I have to give you the sort of less interesting aspect of, of what I've done on the island, is we'd gone there because Aaron wanted to do the paddy certificate. It's one of the cheapest places in the world to do it. Also one of the best areas for doing the certificates as well. So he was pretty much going to be doing that for four or five days, however long it took to get that done, which kind of left myself on, apart from evenings where we were going out for food and stuff like that, kind of left me on an island, uh, you know, with all fairness, not a ridiculous amount to do because of the nature of the island itself. Uh, wondering, you know, how do you kind of, how do you buy your time for X amount of days? Luckily, it had uh, this time, I got a couple of books with me and there was quite a, a few things that we ended up doing anyway. So Ron Utila, Aaron's off doing all his Pally certificates. He's having a great time. He's doing all of that. A couple of things I've done during the days. <clears throat> Number one was, there's not many roads in Utila. It's a very relaxed place. It's a wonderfully relaxed place. Visited an iguana research and breeding station um, up in the north part of town, which again, that was quite nice to see. But again, having been to the Galapagos, you kind of go, well, if I'm going to see iguanas, I've been to the best place I can to see it. But it was something to do, so I've done that. Walked up and down the the Bay Area. You can walk, uh, and even as I did uh, hired a bicycle for the day, I ended up cycling all the way down to the Blue Bale and also the Black Coral Wall and, and around other parts of the island as well. The Bay Area is quite nice. Again, it's, you know, it's, it's island life, it's very relaxed, not a lot going on. It is, really, really is a wonderful place to, to waste some time. Also ended up having, in, my, in my spare time, going out for a few drinks with a few various people during the day. Uh, they had a sumptuous peanut butter smoothie on the island. I've never tasted anything as good as that in my life. Also, when I had the bicycles, I went up to Pumpkin Hill Beach and Pumpkin Hill Grove on the top of the island. Uh, there's also a place where you can find a, a disused plane. Apparently it's a crashed drug runner airplane in, in the jungle, which is north, north of the island. Um, myself and uh, a guy that I'd met on the island, we, we went cycling and we, we found it. Oddly, I don't have the photos uh, from it. I don't remember taking many photos of it, but I do remember seeing it. It's just it's a plane uh, in the middle of in the middle of the jungle. Quite interesting. Also at Pumpkin Hill, it's a utility's highest point at a whopping seventy-four meters, uh, which you can also see quite decent views of the whole island going up there. So again, using the bikes, cycled up there, done all that. It got to about the third day, and I was getting a bit bored at this time. Uh, one thing that was keeping me occupied though was uh, back in back in Paraguay, I was uh, given the honour. Of being best man for a, a wedding from uh, Ash's wedding, my mate Ash, and I hadn't really taken the time to sit down and come up with a best man speech. So actually, I used the time in Utila to do that. I created pretty much ninety nine percent of the best man speech on the island. So that was a really big plus from having time there. On one of the afternoons, uh, went down to a. A, not a science museum as such, but uh, like a research centre. 
uh, because there was a free presentation uh, in the afternoon. And as with most presentations, it did lead to a, a little bit of a sale at the end, you know, come and join us on one of our boat trips and this is what it costs and this is what, you know, this is what you get to see and do, etc., etc. About $50, I think it was. Uh, and the aim of the trip was to go and see, or if you were lucky enough, to go and see whale sharks. Now, if I'm not mistaken, a whale shark is the largest mammal, largest fish in the world. Something along, something along those lines. Is it called a whale shark? I'm not sure. Anyway, I think it's called, I'm going to call it a whale shark. It could, it might not be, but it, it, it could quite possibly be, be called that. I don't really know. But there was a chance to go and see them. Of course, there was no guarantees that you would see them. And if you heard the typing in the background, yeah, I was just Googling it. Whale shark, they are. And the largest known fish species in the world. Good times. Uh, the largest individual length was 18.8 metres, 62 feet. That's impressive, to say the least. So there was this opportunity to go and see whale sharks. Of course, no guarantee, but you know, it was a day out on a boat. Uh, you pretty much get on the boat, you go around the island, you would at various points end up, you know, snorkeling in, in some coral reef and bits and bobs like that. Aaron's out doing his paddy. He's, he's been seeing everything. He's been dealing with sea wasps, seeing all sorts of things, lionfish, etc., etc., etc. He's having a wonderful time. I've got on this boat. There's about six of us on the tour. Not, not a lot. Of course, again, the aim is to see a whale shark. That's the aim. Uh, we've got captains around. They're talking to other people because there's other different boat tours. Not many, but there's other different boat tours that cover different parts as well. So... You know, you're kind of in the abyss, which is nice, but they're talking with each other, seeing what's going on. We're about an hour and a half into the about hour and a half into the trip, and one of the give one of the giveaway signs that there might be a whale shark is you, you see schools of fish in, in the water. Or if you're not able to see that when you're on the boat, you can certainly see that when you know you're in the captain's position, you're on top, you're driving the boat, you've got a, a much better vista there, and he's got his binoculars out and so forth. All of a sudden, you see these schools of fish go around. He's, he's on he's on the phone. He's like, yeah, I think there might be a whale shark here. Okay, let's head over here. Let's do this. Let's do that. Unfortunately, they were false alerts. And they really were false alerts, uh, which was a shame. But, you know, it was exciting at the time. The adrenaline's flowing. You know, you don't know what you're going to see. You don't know what's going to happen. But, uh, lo and behold, no whale sharks. So we've kept going around. And uh, we're about another 45 minutes in. And... Out of nowhere, this dolphin appears by the side of the boat. It's on the right-hand side of the boat. And this has taken everyone by surprise. No one has seen this. No one's expecting this. A dolphin's appeared. And then another one. And then there's a whole lot of them. They're just having some fun up and down by the boat, going with the boat on the right-hand side. Now, everyone's... I say it's panic. It's not panic in a bad way, but it's, oh, my God, no one's ready to get in the water. We've got to get in the water, you know, try and swim with dolphins. So we're partly ready, but we're not fully ready. So everyone's getting on their various, you know, uh, wetsuit. Well, I don't think people have wetsuits because the water was quite warm. But yeah, people were getting everything on. I've got my armbands on and everything like that. So we've quickly, very quickly, all six or seven of us, including the, <coughs> excuse me, tour guide, we've got, we've got off the boat into the water. The only thing that she said, she said, you know, if they come close to you, don't worry about it. Of course, the dolphins. Don't get too close to them unnecessarily, but put your head underwater, get your snorkel on, put your head underwater and listen. Head underwater, shut up and listen. 
Okay, so snorkeled on, armbands are on, we're all in the water now. She's said what she said, and I've just dipped my head into the water. It's not a Galapagos moment. The seawater hasn't got into my lungs this time. I've been sensible, I've learnt my lessons. The snorkel's where it should be. Head goes underwater. All I see is what I assume is a school of dolphins. That's what I think that they are. Is this school of dolphins. There's a few on the surface, of course, because we've seen them. There must have been 30, 40 dolphins just gliding underwater, just going through, going through the sea. But looking at them wasn't the cool thing. What I heard, it just sounded like radar. That sort of sound. Probably different to that, but that's what I remember. And it was just in sheer amazement. And I've said this a few times on the podcast, that you get moments in life. You get moments when you travel. You get moments anywhere where things almost just take your breath away. This was one of them. Yeah, the aim was to go and see whale sharks, and there's still a good chance we'd see one that day. But when we set off, you weren't thinking that you'd end up swimming wildly and freely with dolphins. Just didn't think that. Didn't think that was going to happen. But the sounds that these these creatures were making it is something that I'll never forget. The whole experience only lasted about uh, a minute or two. Uh, this school of dolphins had, where the boat had uh, sort of grounded to a halt. Of course, we're in the water, so the boat continues going, you know, we're bollocks. So the boat had stopped and, you know, the dolphins had swum off. Now, the whole experience was only a minute or two. But just the sound, the absolute sound was nothing I've ever heard before. Probably like nothing I'll ever hear again. So to come away and say you swum with wild dolphins is worth it. A- absolutely worth it. And I say dolphin, wild dolphins, of course, they're not species, but, you know, dolphins in their natural habitat. Unplanned, unpredicted. Just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. We're back on the boat. Everyone's pretty much, you know, jumping up and down you know, with excitement. Uh, you know, the, the, the captain couldn't quite believe it. The lady that was in charge of the tour, she couldn't quite believe it. Uh, everyone was loving it. We got on the boat and we, and we carried around to the north part of the island. And again, we're looking at schools of fish. You know, nothing's quite happening with the whale sharks, but you never know. For a little bit in the afternoon, we were hanging around in the sort of lighter aspects of the coral. Uh, a few people were harpooning lionfish. Uh, reason for that is they're not native to the area. They eat a lot of the coral. They are quite an invasive species. So it was a case of our job was to go around for a little bit, um, not necessarily us hunting them down because I'm not an expert in harpooning things. But if we saw one, you know, let the other experienced guys harpoon them. And again... You know, you might think, oh, that's cool, that's nasty. You know, I'm not Honduran, I'm not from the area, I don't know Utila. Um, but if they say it's an invasive species, it shouldn't be there and it's destroying their ecosystem, you're going to do what you can to protect where you live and, you know, the area around you. So I don't blame them. There's a few more schools of fish on the way back, but again, no whale sharks. It was not the day for whale sharks. It was unfortunate. Because if we'd have been up close and personal with a whale shark, that would have been fantastic. No word of a lie. So I just guess we'll have to stick with swimming with dolphins instead. That will do. That was on day five. Aaron and I reconvened, in the, despite the fact we were staying in the same you know, um, room, all bits and bobs like that, in our little sort of log cabin. We reconvened in the evening. We knew the following day was, was a day to depart. There was a beach party that evening that we thought about going to, but decided decided against it. Thought, you know, look, let's hang on a minute. We've got a long journey tomorrow. Let's not worry about it. 
So, you know, we're a bit, we're a bit sensible, shall we say, and didn't go to that party. He'd successfully completed his paddy certificate. Wonderful, happy days, congratulations. I successfully completed my uh, best man speech. Also randomly ended up swimming with dolphins as well. That was quite cool. And next, we were going to make a beeline for Nicaragua, um, for Guatemala. But before we'd done that, we were told of a quite a funky place in the west of Honduras uh, called Copan Ruinas. We got told it was a, a wonderful place to stay for a little bit, that there were some fantastic ruins, Maya ruins, and that it was just a, a, a general pleasant place to spend a bit of time. So the following day from Yudilla, we got the early morning boat straight back into La Saiba, retraced our steps to uh, San Pedro Sula, and in the bus station changed over buses to head down to the Copan Ruinas, or the town called uh, Copan Ruinas, which is situated right on the river Copan. And this would be our first experience of the Maya and the Maya civilization. And what was that going to hold for us? Join us next week and find out what we would get up to in the rest of our time in Honduras and then also into Guatemala. Hasta luego.